Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ivan Meekins, and you are listening to Content Untapped, sponsored by Riot Business Results. This is the show where I go on a mission to unpack all those tiny little details that make up fantastic content. I report my findings back to you, and I try and give you some practical tips that you guys can take home into your next project. If you do like what you hear, please do all those classic podcasty things, you know, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about us, all that kind of stuff. It helps us spread the word and reach more people just like you, which is awesome. Also, if you wanted to have a more in-depth conversation about what you're hearing today, just hit us up on LinkedIn. You can go to the Right Business Results LinkedIn page, or you can go to my own personal LinkedIn page and fire us a DM. We can spark a whole conversation there. Thanks, guys. Let's just crack on with the episode. Which of you listeners is familiar with the Disney Pixar classic A Bug's Life? I think it was super popular in the early 2000s, one of my favorite animations as a kid. Um, it's about a ant who essentially recruits like a band of misfit insects to join him on a quest to save his colony. But what I found out recently that's super interesting is that this charming tale that I knew as a kid and loved so much has its roots in a completely different genre of cinema. The actual plot from A Bug's Life comes from a 1954 Japanese period drama called The Seven Samurai by the legendary film director Akira Kurosawa. So this little bug adventure, it was inspired by one of the most influential filmmakers in cinema history. So just to give you an example, in The Seven Samurai, villagers, the plotline goes that the villagers seek the protection of a bunch of samurai to fend off uh, bandits that are attacking their village. And in A Bug's Life, the very same plot takes place, apart from, you know, the villagers are ants and the bandits are pillaging grasshoppers. But what's really important here is that the storyline itself finds a new home in A Bug's Life with a completely different audience. Whereas The Seven Samurai is obviously a film made for adults, The Bug's Life is one predominantly made from Disney Pixar to be aimed at children. So it's a completely different audience. It's a new home. It's in a new form. It goes from this feudal Japanese village um, in 1954, which is a black and white movie, actually, to a very colorful, childish American hill, let's say. And what's really interesting is if you look at a lot of Kurosawa's work, you realize that so many other popular films are molded from this one film director. So another example is George Lucas, who took a lot of his uh, inspiration for the Star Wars universe from the Kurosawa movie, The Hidden Fortress. So just as a quick example, Kurosawa himself tells the story um, from the plotline of, of The Hidden Fortress is told from the two lowliest kind of characters in the movie, which are two kind of peasants. And in George Lucas's film, uh, the first Star Wars episode four, which obviously is slightly confusing, A New Hope, the whole film is told, the story is told from the perspective of R2-D2 and C-3PO, which is two subservient droids. Obviously, you can look a lot more into this if you're looking for a more in-depth kind of analysis of how these two movies compare and how Kurosawa has in inspired a lot of filmmakers throughout history. You can check out the article from Far Out Magazine that I'm linking in the show notes below. But what's important here is that, yes, Lucas obviously made it his own, as did Disney Pixar with A Bug's Life. You know, they set it in an American anthill with insects, and Lucas set his own in space with his own characters. But the general kind of foundations of those plots are very much, you know, embedded in, in Kurosawa, that was from a, a filmmaker from, you know, the 1950s. What's really important here, and the whole purpose of this episode, is that this, the borrowing and the reshaping of other people's ideas shouldn't be scoffed at, and it's certainly not stealing. What it is, is it's a crucial part of the creative journey, which if we do it right, can only improve the quality of our content and bring audiences closer to us. As, as a content creator or a business owner, 
it's super easy to get caught up in like a chase for that completely like original or unique idea. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to stand out from the crowd with complete originality. But in a world that's noisier than ever and people are kind of shouting over each other and people are constantly creating content, it's very, very, very difficult to find something completely unique. And to be honest with you, you don't actually need to. You know, what if I told you that most of what you already need as a content creator is already there, just waiting for you to give it your own spin? So that's the whole idea of what this episode is. It's going to discuss the value of using content that has come before you to help shape your message. What we're going to do is we want to kind of look into why all content creators or a lot of content creators leverage the, the great pieces of content, the great works of art from the past, and how you can take like super popular tales and ideas and uh, refit them to shape your own unique message. One of my favorite phrases that I like when I think about this is this phrase from Isaac Newton called standing on the shoulders of giants. It was actually written by Isaac Newton, I believe, to a colleague, his colleague Robert Hooke, when they both worked at the Royal Academy of Science together. But the actual quote goes, if I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. And what I think is super interesting is this phrase perfectly captures that essence of collective learning, the ability that we have as human beings to build on what others have done before and improve or update it to match our own specific or modern needs. And that's, for me, the true kind of mother of invention, really. You know, Newton, often regarded by pretty much anyone who you talk about to, is probably one of the greatest minds of all time, right? And he acknowledged the contributions of others that have come before him in his discoveries. So if it's good enough for someone like Newton, who's an absolute genius, it's probably good enough for just little lowly content creators like us, right? And that's what I'm talking about in this episode. I'm talking about taking a great idea and adding your own unique flavor to it. Almost think of it like a cauldron of ideas that have slowly been simmering away in the annals of time forever. And you're just adding your own little flavor to that, that stew that keeps on producing great things. You're taking it, adding your own flavor to it and offering it to an audience in a completely different way. And what's important here, and I, I really want to get across because I think this is important, is that this is not plagiarizing at all. I just want to be very clear here. Of course, obviously, if you're going to use other people's work and cite their uh, their stuff, you have to give them credit. Um, you have to acknowledge the work that they've done. But inspiration and adaptation are a core piece of what makes great art. I believe it was Picasso, actually, who said, good artists copy, great artists steal, or it's something like that. And Steve Jobs has been a actually accredited with that quote, but initially it did come from Picasso. But obviously what we're talking about here is not stealing, but I think what Picasso meant by that is that great artists acknowledge and see the opportunity in other people's ideas and take it and build off of it uh, while still kind of acknowledging and tipping to the people who uh, created it in the first place. And what's really interesting, if you think about it this way, about you know taking other people's content and spinning it to fit your own narrative and your own niche audience, what you can do is you can begin to use that content in ways that the old form never really could and help a niche audience that that other form never really thought about helping. And that's the beauty of this, right? As content creators or you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, what we really want to be doing is we want to be using content to solve problems, to help people, to engage with them and bring them closer to us. So if we can take a great idea that hasn't been used in our context in our world at all, spin it to fit our narrative for the purpose of helping people. I think that's a really beautiful thing, right? So look, let's try a little exercise here, right? Imagine that you are an entrepreneur with a love for, let's say, detective stories. So 
Agatha Christie, uh, Sherlock Holmes, you know, um, Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. You're, you've loved it. You've embedded it since you were a kid. It's a passion of yours. But let's say you are now an entrepreneur. You've become a leadership coach looking to make your mark on the world. And the way that you're going to do that is you're going to do that through a new book, which a lot of entrepreneurs and leadership coaches do these days. Well, let's think about this for a second, right? Let's think about taking the narrative structure of an Agatha Christie novel, that kind of Hercule uh, Poirot uh, deduction, the the mystery solving, the kind of the whodunit uh, approach, and use that to kind of fit the narrative of your leadership book on, on modern leadership. So perhaps each of your chapters can present a problem or a case that needs solving through your own um, modern leadership techniques or framework, right? That could be a really interesting way of doing this. But you could also look at, at characterization, right? You could probably look at someone like Sherlock Holmes, for instance, and take his unconventional problem-solving methods to inspire like innovative thinking in your team or maybe discussing how his deductive reasoning can be used in decision-making, right? Or like you know, another example, his meticulous attention to detail and how, you know, as a leader, you need to have a meticulous attention to detail to in order to kind of understand your people and know all about them in order for you to kind of lead the best. I don't know, that's just off the top of my head, but you can kind of see where I'm going with this, right? Again, if we kind of zoom out a little bit and think about this structurally again, you know, as we said before, every chapter of your book could highlight a modern leadership problem. And you, as the author, through a series of like helpful leadership clues, can help the reader crack the case. So they are the detective in this kind of leadership world that you're helping them kind of solve. Right. So what you're doing here and what's really clever is you're using something that people already know and they're familiar with that has millions of followers, um, of people who enjoy that kind of style of, of literature. And you're taking that and you're piggybacking off of that with your own kind of unique narrative, which I think is a really powerful way of doing it, right? It's almost like you're getting a little boost because, you know, when you're talking about leadership in the context of a detective story, anyone who's familiar with detective stories is going to already know the world that you're placing that in. And it becomes much easier for them to get uh, accept your message. So what this is, this is a really great example of how you can leverage a popular idea that has come before you to make it your own, your own unique spin on it. For a real life example of a book that we've worked on in the past, you look at Caroline Sanderson. I would recommend checking her out. Her book, The Salon Jedi, is a really great example of how she leveraged her love of the Star Wars universe to create her content around salons and teaching people how to build a successful salon business, which is a, a, a pretty out there example. But this is a really great reason why this works so well, right? Is because you can take something super popular, something stand and leverage and love and put your own little unique niche industry hook on it. So look, the next time you're planning a project, why not think about it like this, right? Why don't you think of the themes that, you know, you really enjoy or you enjoyed as a kid or you can't stop consuming outside of your work and try and find the best stories or the best content or hooks in, in that field uh, for you to piggyback off of. You know, what these stories are is they're giants, right? When we talked about standing on the shoulders of giants, that's exactly what these stories are. They can offer the backbone of your creative endeavor almost, right? So by leveraging the elements that you love and kind of infusing them with these stories, you can create impactful content that connects with your audience, but also that kind of re relieves you of the pressure to have to constantly invent something wholly unique all the time, which is kind of possible really today. And you know what the best thing is, who knows, right? So maybe when you do this and you kind of evolve someone else's message and build on top of it to fit your niche, what you may be doing is lighting a beacon for other people, right? Your content may become the giant that they lean on when they create their content. 
I think that's a really beautiful thing uh, and about the creative process and about content creation is it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not a pursuit of complete originality. It's a collaborative process a lot of times where artists are building off of each other's work and celebrating each other's work, but also using each other's work to fit their own kind of narratives and inspire their own kind of voice uh, as, a, as a thought leader or as a business owner or as a, as a creative. So in conclusion, we don't always have to reinvent the wheel, right? When it comes to creating content. There are already hundreds of thousands, probably millions of amazing ideas out there in the world. Some in the form of a samurai movie, maybe others in maybe like a Pixar animation, whatever it is that you like, right? Whatever it is that you, stories that you find engaging and awesome, like pick them apart. What, what is it about those stories that you like so much and how can you use them to fit your narrative? And, and our, that's our job really as content creators, right? Is to find gems, uh, nuggets of creativity and to give them a new life in our content, use them as a vehicle to help other people, which I think is really important as well. Like doing this from a place of service and a place of adding value to people's lives. So if, as long as you do that, you're going to avoid this idea of plagiarism and theft, and you're going to be inspired that taking other people's uh, pieces of work is inspiration to help that, that other, that the original piece of work probably couldn't do in the first place. So one thing I would just leave you with is just to go forth, fellow creators, and seek inspiration, stand on the shoulders of giants, and create content that speaks to your audience, that resonates with them, and is most importantly kind of unique to you and your niche audience. So I hope you found that useful. Until next time, guys, keep creating, keep telling awesome stories, and I will see you soon. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to another episode of Content Untapped. Firstly, let me just say a massive shout out to Right Business Results for sponsoring this entire show. It would absolutely not be possible without you guys, so thank you so much. If you are interested in finding out what we're up to at Right Business Results and how to create content to grow a loyal audience, please do get in touch at info at rightbusinessresults.com and we will get back to you post-haste. Secondly, if you wanted to continue the conversation about creating great content or anything that you're listening to on this show, give us a DM to the Right Business Results LinkedIn page, or you can DM my personal page and we can spark up a whole new conversation about any of this stuff. We love having conversations about content, so the more the merrier, guys. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next time.